basically a south-facing hillside and a south-facing and a east-facing hillside meet that, that southeast-facing point. So I'll look on and find those because that's always guaranteed deer bedding. Uh, be those bucks, but that's always a guaranteed place you'll find deer. Typically, the top one-third elevation of that. So on today's podcast, we're talking with Pennsylvania native Dan Collins from Hardaway Outdoors. Dan has a lot of experience when it comes to hunting mature bucks in the hill country and mountainous terrain. So I'm pretty excited for this podcast because coming from my home state of Michigan, we just don't really have that much hill country. We have some, but not much. And we're kind of dealing more with uh, swamps, marshes, and egg fields. So definitely uh, itching to branch out, kind of hunt more of this hilly country um, get a better understanding on how to hunt it. We'll be mainly covering how someone who doesn't have a lot of experience with hill country hunting, kind of like me, um, and how they first begin to break apart a piece of land, be it private or public, and also utilize various tactics to help find mature bucks. Also, beforehand, I apologize for the bad audio, uh, having some technical difficulties with the recorder, but fix that problem so it shouldn't happen anymore. Definitely going to try to do more of these podcasts. Uh, I just think there's a lot of uh, hunting knowledge out there to learn and just get conversations going about maybe certain problems that are going on with hunting, fishing, or trapping. So definitely excited to do more of these. But without further ado, let's get talking to Dan. South of me, like towards the college, you got some big mountains. And then west of me is more hill country. And then where I'm at is uh, bigger, kind of just big, bulky mountains, big big hills to explain i guess uh you have some steeper parts in places where it could be seven to a thousand feet elevation change and then you got some hills here and there but uh yeah that we call them mountains but if someone from the out west saw them they would probably laugh you know (laughs) in michigan um the vast majority of like the lower peninsula is just flat like egg fields and mainly low-lying like swamps and marshes but when you get to like the southern border where it kind of borders indiana you you actually can get a pretty significant incline of of hills i guess you'd say like maybe like a 200 foot um elevation but still nothing compared to like pa or a lot of those northeast states so kind of when i see those i mean it's pretty I mean, it's intimidating for sure because it's just something that's totally out of my my uh, my experience that I've gained over the years. I'm just I'm like a swamp and marsh hunter at heart. And when you when it comes to hunting mountains, kind of what's your first um, step that you take towards kind of breaking apart a piece? Uh, what would you do first, kind of if you're hunting like a new area in the mountains? Be it like a guy who's never even hunted mountains, or even someone who's from PA who kind of would maybe uh, be from that area. So I'll pull out a topographical map first and just kind of see, find the, the mountain points, uh, tip it, and like the steeper parts. And uh, by a mountain point, I mean where two two hillsides will meet, and it'll create a, a basically uh, a, a, a lesser incline from the bottom to the top. You know what I'm saying? Like a say a south facing hillside and a south face and a east facing hillside meet that that southeast facing point it'll be uh we call we call them the point so i'll look on and find those because that's always guaranteed deer bedding uh 
be does, bucks, but that's always a guaranteed place you'll find deer, typically towards the top of that, uh, typically the top one-third elevation of that. And I'll also look for anywhere there's a terrain pinch point with my topographical map, whether it's a saddle, which is between two high points on hills, it'll be a, a little sag in the mountain. Uh, bucks like to cruise those. It's just easier for them to travel through there. And then I'll look for the steepest place, you know, like the, these bucks will get old up to six to 10, 11 years old in these hills and mountains. And they do that from living in that steep terrain where nobody wants to go. Uh, so those are the areas I'll, I'll pick out first. Um, and then I'll pull up a topograph and then I'll pull up a, a satellite view map where I can look at clear cuts. I can see if there's pine trees or just any vegetation diversity. Uh, and I like to key in on edges of, uh, different, um, vegetation. So like a clear cut edge, pine tree edge, like, a even if a, a swamp key, key in on the edge of that, typically you'll find a rub line or something. And then from finding rub lines, you can follow them, find bedding or possible food, possible bedding. But that doing your scouting through your phone is a huge thing, but you really don't know what it looks like. You don't know what it is until you actually get there. So scouting here, the guys that are consistently getting bucks and higher age class bucks, they're in the woods most of the year. No matter what time it is, turkey season or middle of summer, they are out scouting and and shed hunting even right after the season is, is a good time. And it's like whoever puts in the most time and homework fares best in the mountains here. So you kind of said there's like a mixture of pines and oaks and, and thickets. Do you find that the deer, it's like, over, so let's say you're saying they love, they love betting on those Southeast uh, hillsides in the top third. Is, is that just kind of just, they love that elevation or is there maybe cover there that they prefer or would, will they th- kind of ignore thick cover that's on the bottom and go where there's maybe it's, it's a more open hillside, even though it's on that top third. So the, the reason they key in on that top portion of the mountain is they have the wind at their advantage then. So uh, leeward, say a leeward side of the mountain, so you have a west wind. The leeward side is going to be the east side. So you have a wind coming from the west going over the top of the mountain and over the east side. What that creates is the wind tunnel. So as the uh, sun comes out and so hot air rises, so then you have the thermals. They'll be coming up that east side. So a deer that beds on the top one-third can use those thermals coming up from the bottom to wind anything below them. And they can use that west dominant west wind going over the top to also wind anything behind them. And then you have that thermal coming up the mountain, the west wind coming over the top. Then you have that, what they call the wind tunnel, where those just mix in there. It basically creates a tunnel through that elevation. And that's where the majority of deer like to bed, uh, not uh, especially a mature buck they are complete loners 
for the most part during the hunting season so they rely on themselves they rely on sight smell and their hearing they are all by themselves they aren't with any other deer for the most part so they have to use everything to their advantage that they can as for example like a group of six does they could bed wherever they want they can they just all face different directions and once one picks up danger they all scatter and go down the other side or what whatnot that mature buck's all alone and he has to use everything to his advantage you were saying like cover and and whatnot um there really isn't a difference it it, it all depends every every hill and mountain is different you, uh, but if there's cover on the top or the bottom you just have to get out and look and and see what's available but mature bucks will hardly hardly ever will leave the security of cover the biggest rubs that i'll find and the best sign is always around thicker cover places where I mean, not saying like, oh, I can't see five feet in here. It's kind of patchy. Maybe you could see 30, 40 feet uh, through the mountain laurel or if it's a clear cut, you know, it, they, they need to be able to see. So the super, super thick stuff they will use, but to, to bed down, they like to be able to see. So maybe 30, 40 yards, patchy covers, t- stuff like that. And then when they're traveling to food, they're going to use that cover to their advantage the whole time as well. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, like in our area where a buck, it sounds like maybe in that in that area with the mountainous terrain, they can use the terrain to their advantage too, being able to see as well um, in addition to the cover. Kind of in our area with our situation, it's very flat. And I refer to that like buck, I, I say like security cover pretty much is what I say just because those the bucks will really will literally be 10 they they won't they won't be in the middle of a of a thick patch most of the time they're going to be maybe within 10 feet of that edge because they they yeah, still want they want to be able I to escape yeah and in our area they will use their their nose hands down more than they their eyesight um generally it's just flatter so they they can't really get away with any train feature to hide behind but yeah uh, yes. So yeah, we, I mean, anytime we're entering an area, I mean, we can't really say, all right, let's go around this hillside. It's more of, okay, I think he's here. The wind's going this way. We got this cover that maybe red brush or whatever. Like, all right, let's use this red brush to get around where we, he can't see us. And that's kind of how we will, how, that's kind of how we would go out of buck. And, um, so yeah, you said you kind of rely heavily on like cyber scouting and do you kind of rely on trail cameras a lot too, um, to kind of maybe have a trail camera that you, you think bucks are going to travel this lateral line of elevation. You set a trail camera there. Do you, you kind of, do you set trail cameras to maybe find if a mountain's holding a certain buck or if it's holding deer? How do you go yeah, about I, that? I got really big in trail cameras like two or three years ago. Um, I kind of went all out. I, I bought 30 or so and you know, like I, my one plan two two years ago, I'm going to put them, I'm just going to scatter them all out and I want to find two, two or three different bucks. And, and then once I find those more mature bucks, I'm going to take my cameras, my other cameras that aren't producing and move them to that area. Well, doing that, I really spread myself so wide with, you know, you really don't have much time. You don't, I mean, uh, I don't have cellular cameras or anything. So like, 
the trail cameras only will show you the past. They can't predict the future. They can give you ideas of what the future may be, and they right. and they tell you what is there. Um, and sometimes they don't even tell you what's there. It's not hard for a deer to miss a camera. But you, I've I've used trail cameras a ton. I've I feel like I've gained a lot of information, but I think I've relied way too much on cameras. I think if you're gonna focus on one plot of land i think running cameras every year and is very very good idea um you can look back at past years and and see how the deer have changed whether it's the the rut shift or the summer to fall shift after they shed velvet and you can just kind of use past data i think using the year before's trail camera data could is so much more helpful than what's going on right now at times, if that makes sense. Like that's my experience. I, I just like, I'll go check a camera in season. I'll, oh, I had four or five nice bucks use this within the last few days on this scrape. I'm going to hunt here. And then I don't see anything. I, it's like, I, maybe I just missed that gap, you know. I missed those few days where there was maybe a hot doe in here or something. Just in my point of view, I think your scouting and your own personal experiences of hunting or scouting completely overrules trail cameras. Like, oh, just because you you got a picture of this nice buck over here, oh man, you you it really wants to pull you in and you really want to hunt over there, but you know, like. Maybe something's telling you I there's the foods over here. There's a group of does over here, and they might be coming in here. And I, you know, it. I think using your scouting and personal experience completely overrules cameras, and that's something I need to focus on more. I've relied way too much on cameras. I think something I've really shied away from is going out and say maybe three weeks before the season, you know, late August or mid-September and hiking around and finding the mat, find the mass crop. What, what are these deer feeding on? Like take binoculars out. Maybe the acorns haven't fallen yet, but just look in all the oaks and see where the acorns are. And then maybe put cameras there then, or keep it in the back of your head. Cause you know, those deer are going to be there at some point. It could be, for as soon as they start dropping it could be now like in when we're looking for sheds you don't you know it's it, but just keep in mind where the food is you know like I, last year i for example like i lived in alaska all year and i came home two weeks before deer season started and i was just way too worried about putting trail cameras out and i didn't find any where the food was so the year before uh, I had some really good hunts at high elevations and I came home and I had, I had confidence in those areas just, just because I had great hunts in the previous year there. Well, we were in a huge drought here and the deer were not in those high elevations and it took, and the food wasn't there. And I just had no confidence to go lower on the mountains, even though I, I completely knew that's where the deer were. I just didn't do it just because I had so much confidence. And that's another thing as a deer hunter, you got to be so versatile and you're not, if you're not on deer here, just because you had a great hunt there, 
last season doesn't mean it's going to be there this year. You just got to constantly scout, keep your mind open, and don't be afraid to try anything and try new areas and get out of your comfort zone. No, yeah, totally. I'd say, I mean, not that it makes you a, a better hunter per se, but I mean, when you try a new area, it's like you're starting from scratch. I mean, sometimes it's always helpful to even cyber scout, but you know, I've gone into areas where I just haven't had time. I'm like, okay, I'm going to set aside three days. I'm going to go to this area and I'm going to see kind of the knowledge I've gained over the years and see if I can put it to, to work and see if it actually is effective or not. And I mean, it, 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 it's something that's not for everybody for sure. Like not that, not that you're better than anybody else. It's something that anybody can acquire if, if they really have the grit to do it, um, to go out and try a new area. But I mean, it's something for me. I know I, I loved last year for the, I did for the most part, I went to new areas every time I hunted and it was a spot I had never even set foot on. And I, all I did was just cyber scout. And I was pretty much just marking X's and marking X's and marking X's, eliminating areas, eliminating areas. And I was like, all right, go try it out. And I mean, I honestly had the best hunts of the year or of the season last year because I was trying out new spots. And that can go along with, I mean, hunting pressure. I don't know if that affects it or not. If the areas, when, in my, in my kind of experience with hunting, I've always found the first and second sit or wherever you're going, the first and second time you go there is always the best. Because after that third and fourth time, either a deer's going to pick up your scent, your ground scent, it's going to know you're there, and you're pretty much just educating them that you're there. And either they're going to lay more low, going to, I don't even know if they go nocturnal. Um, people say some do, some don't. But I've always found not only that you go to a different area, those first, second scents are always key. And I don't know yeah. if, if that's something you do if you kind of hang tree stands beforehand or if you're kind of mobile, you try new areas no matter what. Um, yeah, I um, I like to stay mobile. I haven't hung a stand in years. I, I have a climber, and I just got a saddle to try out. Um, but, yeah, I'm always bouncing around. And sometimes it, I agree with the first or second sit. It, that's You catch up by surprise then. And uh, another thing I've realized here like especially running cameras you'll get a picture of a nice buck on this scrape maybe once maybe twice a week if that so like say i go into hunnam and i didn't see him that time in the past i would get discouraged like oh he's gone i blew it he's gone no sense in trying that again well like these these deer seem to have kind of a rotation they do they won't frequent the same area maybe for three four days to a week so you going in and setting there um you could put all the ground scent you want in there that buck could be two mountains over and he's not going to come there for three or four days you could so some some other people will hunt the same tree here for three days in a row maybe four days in a row if they're feeling confident and then have success on those third and fourth days you know on that buck thereafter and that's something I, I've been wanting to try. I just, I, but I, I was in that mindset where like, I, I'm going to keep moving, keep moving, keep spots fresh. And it might, it might've hurt me. I don't know. I, but guys do have a lot of success doing those three days in one stand here. We we're working with 
really big plots of of land where these deer like it's not like a little wood lot like these are thousands and thousands of acres of of woods and with no no uh, vegetation breaks at times and no hardly any agriculture so these deer can just utilize all of that and they they don't have to just go i'm gonna bed here and food they, they don't do the same thing every day uh so they just utilize it and they just seem to have that loop they like to go in now something i, I guess i could have reiterated with like the first and second set like oftentimes uh, when i what i find is on public land there especially in michigan certain areas just have a ton of hunters um and a majority of those hunters are gonna they they pre-hang their stands you can hang your stands on september 1st and so a lot of guys in the first week are out there already setting their stands up um and they might set maybe two three stands some guys just set one stand and they've been hunting there for 30 years maybe and just they hunt that same stand but it's kind of it's kind of giving me a different viewpoint on how a deer might react. Like the first, second sit might be a great tree to hunt. Um, those guys might have awesome first, second sits, but when they get those third and fourth sits, those deer they're they're not going to ignore the area totally. They're not, they're not going to go to a different county. That's it's it's kind of their home still, but they're going to be more smart about it. They're not going to maybe go down the same trail. They might frequent that same field or or edge, but they might go downwind. Um, and the hunter might not even be able to, might, might not even see the deer. And I know that's happened several times where I've watched, I've watched deer come in, come out of thickets and they're directly downwind of this, maybe other hunter in a ladder stand that's 200 yards away and he's not going to see him at all. Those deer put their nose up and they got a whiff of him and they'll just skirt way around him and he's never going to see him. So yeah, not, so not that, not that it's, they're going to leave. I mean, I've had it where I've spooked deer, and yeah, they're just, I don't know what the perfect range is. It seems like that 300 to 400 yard range, they'll go, and they might calm back down and just continue what they were doing, maybe eating or looking for a place to bed. Um, yeah, that's kind of what I found. I wanted to reiterate with that, with the first and second sit, when I was talking about. Yeah, and like, that completely could be the case. I don't I don't know how big the plots of land you're hunting are, and or how your deer work, like that could be the best way to hunt those deer. I'm not saying that my way is the best. Like we're two completely different ballgames. Right. You know? So it's like we, we just have huge plots of land where these deer can roam, which might not be your case there. So they're going to act differently. And you could, your one to two day fit strategy, it could be, they will be the way to go here. It, it, I've had success doing just bouncing around every day i've had great success catching deer off guard like that but i i think doing the three or four days sit you know given you know good wind and and whatnot i think they could be very successful where i hunt here i don't think i ever asked you so like how what's kind of like the is there a parcel size that you kind of prefer over others or is there just like kind of what's the size that you're kind of dealing with? Because um, like for example, for our area, I mean southern, we we kind of hunt central to southern Michigan, and there's people will say that Michigan has a ton of public land, and we do, but I mean a lot of it's up north, um, millions of acres up north, but down south, I mean we're dealing with maybe four hundred four hundred acre chunks, um, 
some chunks are bigger some can be up to maybe five six thousand acres but i mean that's when you're getting up to there it seems pretty big kind of just from what i've experienced a lot so we like i'll hunt acreage acreage from 80 acres all the way up to maybe six thousand acres is kind of what we hunt here we are definitely blessed with the amount of public land we have from uh game lands the state forest the national forest it's most of like you you i feel like no matter where you are in pennsylvania you're not far at all from public land uh typically where i hunt you're dealing with ten thousand acres plus on on parcels uh, and it's it could be a lot, especially East County. It could be a lot. Um, I, I thought it was really cool. I hopped on your channel the other day and I was kind of looking at some videos, kind of seeing, kind of the tactics that you guys utilized. And I, I thought it was cool. The the two things that you do is you do like traditional archery, and I thought that was sweet. And then also I seen you guys did some videos with like the river or using a raft to to deer hunt. And yeah, yeah. We started just, I don't know, maybe two. We, we've been using kind of the, using canoes or kayaks to access spots. We've never really done much float hunting. And yeah, we... there's there's different laws in different states. We're, we're lucky here that we're allowed to discharge a firearm from a boat as long as it doesn't have any motor power on it. It has to be completely manpower, and you can shoot from the, from the water as long as the animal is not in the water at all and so we started doing it for raccoons uh yeah. that's how we started like my buddy we would put a a predator call on the front of the raft and we would go down at night with our red bites and, and hunt coons that way i'm like i have to do this for deer and we made it happen <laughs> this last year and did a couple floats had some good hunts it, it was a blast and i'm looking forward to do it next year again Hopefully with the bow. I won't be around for archery season, but I would like to do it with a bow once. That would be fun. Yeah, that'd be sweet. I think early season like will be the best because you have a lot of leaf cover, and you might run into some days that are warmer, and deer might be hanging around the water a little more. And yeah, that leaf cover—they won't even see you coming. And you know, tip and like the the deer that we saw in that float, they they weren't that scared. You know, like when they see people on boats or kayaks rafts whatever it's in the summer and they aren't shooting at them so they mm -hmm. they aren't that they aren't scared of you and uh if you're quiet they just think you're a piece of driftwood going down and <laughs> you can get you can get some get some opportunities with a bow i'm sure oh yeah yeah we we've tried a few times using a bow i feel like it's doable you kind of just have to it's a mixture of getting lucky and uh and just being there at the right moment, kind of, sort of. Um, yeah. I don't know what it is. A deer will, will stand there for maybe 10 seconds, Ten seconds, and it's kind of trying to evaluate, like, what you are exactly. And, I yeah. mean, they're vulnerable in those 10 seconds or so. We've, we've passed up a lot of deer, some some smaller bucks and some does, we're doing some float hunting. But, um, I mean, we've seen some... It, what happens a lot is we'll, we'll see like on private land maybe where, where the private kind of borders the public we'll we'll have those moments where there's a buck just right in the border and it's like oh like, nope can't shoot that and um i mean that's kind of been our story with with trying it out but yeah we've we tried some like raccoon float hunting and that's that's the most fun i've ever had but then with like traditional archery how long have you been doing that 
Uh, ever since I was could walk, uh, I I've never owned a compound. I've I've only shot my friends' compounds if if we're out shooting bow or something. But I've I've only hunted traditional since I was twelve, and I'm twenty three now. So a little over ten years there, shoot hunting with a longbow recurve, and I love it. I I, I it it challenges you it challenges you. It it's a huge handicap, but I, to, for me, it's not like I'm out there to kill something. I'm not, I, I'd rather learn. I, I think the process of hunting and trying to figure out the animal is, is the fun part. You know, being able to take one is, is a blessing and it, it's, it's great. You get meat, but I, I'm more interested in learning as much as possible. I've missed uh, You know, if I shot a compound, I would have had a lot more opportunities at, at deer, but I'm, a, I'm completely okay with that. I feel like, I challenge myself. I become a better hunter shooting with the with a recurve, and because you're always just you need them close. You know, I try to set up where they're going to be at ten yards. I can shoot out to twenty, but I I just try to set up as close as possible. You know, it's with a compound you can kind of sit back a little bit off a trail or a scrape or whatnot. Right. But, and I'm always just paying attention to every single little detail. And I think it, it it makes you a better hunter. I, honestly, I mean. It just you pay way more attention to what the deer are doing and to try to put yourself in a in the best place. So I think it helps me, and I like being out there. If I don't have a if I still have a tag, then I'm out there still learning. So it's a I think it's a huge bonus for me to do that. Is that something like your? I don't know. It seems like such a north like not to stereotype. It seems like such a northeast thing, kind of the traditional. You don't see. I mean, out west, you just don't hear people using traditional. Midwest, you don't hear a lot of people using traditional. Is that something like your? A lot of people you know use traditional. Is like your family kind of stuck with traditional? My, yeah, my dad got into it. I, I don't know how old he was when he got into it because he shot compound to begin with. And but my my entire life, you know, I was just brought up that way with traditional. I have I have a few friends that shoot traditional. I've been converting people shoot compounded traditional but majority of people here is compound or crossbow okay i mean if you're if you hunt all season you might see another hunter with a recurve or something but it's pretty rare but uh yeah like i never thought about the midwest like when you watch tv nobody's using a recurve or anything and uh i didn't know i never thought to if it was much of a thing in the midwest or in the west to to use that i'd say it's pretty popular here we have a lot of bow shoots uh traditional bow shoots we there's a a lot of um indoor archery leagues that go on through the winter uh in southern pa southern new york it's, it's pretty big here for people to do it and i i'd say you know maybe people don't hunt with them but i'd say majority of people do own a recurve somewhere it might be just sitting in the attic but seems like most people have one at least mm. yeah it, it almost seems like there was a i don't know if it was a trend or such but i mean it seemed like in the in the 70s 80s and 90s there was there was only recurve because they didn't have compounds um i could be wrong on that but that's what it seemed like and then kind of when 2000s hit, they started coming out with compounds and there was a big shift to that so a lot of people were starting to convert over to compounds and now it seems like 
seems like there's been kind of a, a bar that's been hit with the technology that's coming out with compounds and, and people are kind of just looking for something new now. Um, and that, you know, that's me included. I, I got a long bow last year. Um, and so I'm hunting with that this year. Um, that's awesome. You know, I, I kind of wanted to make sure I was, I felt comfortable enough to, to try to take a deer with it. And I, I had it in the summer, but I just didn't, I didn't get to a point where I felt confident enough to, to shoot a deer. So I stuck with, uh, we have a, we have a crossbow and a compound, but yeah, that's kind of how I was raised. We were mainly, were mainly compound crossbows kind of became a thing. Um, maybe six years ago, kind of, there were some rules that were changed that kind of allowed everybody to use crossbows. And it was definitely more convenient than having to target practice with a compound and trying to get dialed in when you you pretty much have a gun with limbs. Um, so, I mean, it was definitely more convenient to use a crossbow. And but yeah, I, I think I agree with that totally, that it makes you a better hunter because when you're using, like you said, with a traditional either recurve or longbow, your, your shot distance is very limited. Um, yeah. And also, I mean you don't have sights. Um, I mean, I don't think you have sights on a recurve. Uh, no, no, don't, don't yeah, with a longbow, but with, with a crossbow even, or a compound, you have those sights where if you feel confident, you can shoot pretty far. I know there's guys that aren't afraid to shoot out to 50 yards and there's guys who shoot way past that even too. But I know even just looking back on the shots that I've had with deer with compounds, I mean, they're really not that far anyway. They're usually within that 20 to 15 yard range anyway. So yeah. I was saying like, it's kind of looking for a, a way to make hunting, not that it's fun. You know, it's, if I lost the love for hunting, I don't know what I would do, but, um, it definitely makes hunting more fun and you kind of appreciate it more when you're out there with a, with a long bow and. And, and that might mean just watching more deer walk, but I think that's part of it. Yeah, I, I've watched a lot of deer walk, that's for sure. Yeah. But uh, I think I think we start to see a, a little more trend towards traditional here soon. Yeah. Yeah, I think we, I mean, I, I just, I can't, like people go out every year with a compound and shoot, shoot a buck, and I, I just feel like, you know, it, it, people... I feel like I just feel a trend coming with towards traditional. I feel like it's gonna get a little spike here again. I know when the the Hunger Games came out, uh, <laughs> it was kind of a little spike, like a little boost in it right there. But I think you know maybe some compound guys are just kind of getting tired with the same old, same old, and maybe they want to just have some fun or challenge themselves a little bit. And, you know, that's kind of my goal with the YouTube channel. Like it. When I first started YouTube, it was just kind of like, oh, I'm going to post some fishing videos here and there. And then people kind of really took to the traditional archery videos I was putting out. And so now like, I'm kind of geared to uh, promoting the sport and showing people that it's a blast and that it is possible. You know, maybe I, I, maybe I don't have the most luck with, with it, but it is possible to get deer on public land and heavily pressured public land with a recurve and just trying to promote the sport and get more people into it. I've got people, people comment and they're like, Oh, this looks so much fun. And it like makes my day when I can tell them, you know, when they're asking me for a bow set up or like, it's, it, it, it's nice to see people want to give it a shot, you know? Mm. And that's, that's how I've been kind of using the YouTube late, you know, the past few years is just promote the sport and, 
trying to get more people into it. I know my friends that I've converted into it. They've taken beer with theirs now. Their traditional bows now. They're having a blast. So hopefully awesome. we get more spark in the, in the sport. Yeah, it definitely feels like there's a trend, like in general, more towards just like simplicity of things and not um, that, that might go along with even just hunting public land. Like uh, when you're going on public land, I mean, it's available to everyone. It's very simple. Anybody can do it. Also with recurve, it's I, I kind of was drawn more towards the simplicity of it. Um, yeah. It's literally a stick and a string. And uh, compared to when I always check myself when I'm having my compound, I'm always making sure my limbs aren't cracked, making sure my strings aren't frayed, make sure my sight's not bumped, make sure I have my release, make sure my D-loop's fine, my peep sight's fine. And for some guys, they just, I mean, their equipment, they trust that they don't have to worry about all that stuff. But, I mean, for me, and I think a lot of guys are starting to trend more towards the, the traditional route with the simplicity of it. I know when I uh, hold, like, my friend's compound, um, after, like, if we're shooting bow, I'm shooting my recurve, I'll be like, hey, let me take a few shots, and I put a compound on my hand. It's like, oh, my gosh, how do you carry this? You know, <laughs> it's, like, so much heavier. And I, like, I can't picture myself carrying that <laughs> into the woods. Yeah, the, the simplicity. I, I, I th- I've never thought of it that way. It's nice to just grab a bow and and go have fun, and you don't have to, you know, obviously you shoot it and you practice and you feel confident in it. But it's like, yeah, I never thought about checking your strings and, and stuff. Like is the maintenance of it. There's definitely more with compounds, and yeah, I, I'm definitely a, a simple guy. Yeah, I, so I, it falls into place there, I guess, with the recurve. You said you kind of use climbers and, and saddles. Are you kind of seeing yourself maybe going, ever trying like ground hunting more, um, more like still hunting? Have you kind of maybe thought about I, trying that out? I've tried. I've tried. I've, you know, I got a ghillie suit. I've tried set up on the ground. and It is very tough. It, uh, you know, these, these deer, like Pennsylvania, I believe Pencil, Pennsylvania has the most hunters per acre and then – New York and Michigan are close behind it. Mm. Um, These deer don't tolerate much. You know, it's tough to get one on the ground, especially in 20 yards. I tried it. I haven't had any luck with it. Um, I'm actually moving to Idaho here next week. And um, so I'll be on the ground, I think, majority of the time hunting out there for mule deer and and whitetails. So I'm excited for that big change of ball game. So, Gotta get work on the ground game. What uh, what what made you move out to think about move out in Idaho? Uh, we took a hunting trip, and I've gone snowboarding in Colorado before. Just fell in love with the with the mountains out there, and uh, Colorado. I see it seemed like it kind of got overrun with a bunch of people, and uh, so I was. Well, I've been wanting to go west, and I have a fisheries biology degree. Idaho offers a ton of fisheries jobs, and I got a job with Fish and Game out in Idaho working with uh, steelhead, salmon, and stuff. So I'll be out, I'm moving out there, and then be able to chase. So there's just the amount of game out there is another thing, and now the great fishing as well. It seems like an outdoorsman's paradise. So I'm excited to get out there. As I get older, I know I'm going to be traveling to some of those states, and I'm, I mean it's not going to be pretty soon, but I know it's going to be in the future, and it, it definitely gives me goosebumps just thinking about going out there and trying it. Yeah, it's it's 
it's gorgeous out there and, and the I can't can't wait to do it. And I got a deer tag, a bear tag, and a wolf tag so far. So it should be should be a good time. I, I didn't cave in on the elk tag yet. It's a little pricey. I don't know if I'll, I'll get it, but I'll be looking for their sheds at least. Have you have you gotten into turkey hunting at all, or not really? Yeah, we. I grew up turkey hunting. My dad's a huge turkey hunter, and uh, do that here in Pennsylvania. I, I uh, was in Alaska last year, and they didn't have turkey where I was, unfortunately. Um, but there, there is turkeys out there. I don't know if I'll be near many, but I will find some and hopefully put a few hunts on for them this spring. I think we'll be, it'll be tough. I'm in school too, and this is kind of my spring break right now, so I feel a little bit more free. But so the the plans, you know, seems I'm a go getter. Like, all right, I got, I got some free time. Let's go do it. Um, I mean, it'll be tough to to travel, but I think we're gonna try probably around three states you got michigan and um you got uh indiana and ohio i think we'll try yeah. those. um might go to georgia possibly and try that yeah that's awesome i i know when i whitetail hunted ohio and west virginia we saw a ton of turkeys and i've been itching to get up, get there and turkey hunt one day yeah that's i know i i would love to travel to more states and i mean and just the the terrain, I think, kind of more interests me. It's kind of in Michigan, it's just flat, like I said. And so, I mean, seeing seeing a different view is is uh, refreshing for sure. But yeah, we took a trip to Ohio a few years ago, kind of just more of a scouting trip. We were gonna do some fishing as well, but no, we didn't do any fishing. It was more just deer scouting. And I mean, just seeing the sign that we saw, we kind of had a good hankering to try turkey hunting there. And, within the next five years and so i think if it doesn't happen this year it'll, it'll definitely happen next year but i think we're going to try to do it this year and with kind of looking at prices too um it can get expensive so we're trying to look yeah. at the lower cost states and so we might try uh might try indiana and ohio and like i said maybe georgia but definitely yeah, gonna, I, definitely gonna stick it out in michigan here in i know south central guys. ohio that, uh, that's some cool hill country it's it's a different ball game. That'd be fun to hunt turkeys in. They got it. Just I call them like saw blades. You know, that's how like the mountains kind of work there. It's just in and out. Like the ridges are in and out, in and out. Just bowl like big bowls in between. They're steep too. Like it may be like two hundred foot elevation change, but they're straight up. Uh, where we whitetail hunted in South Central Ohio, and that that'd be fun to turkey hunt. Yeah, is that something like similar? Is Ohio similar to Pennsylvania, or is it just completely different? No, like we'll have like big, long ridges here. Like it's not like Ohio, where it's like I was saying, like a saw blade, where the like the ridge kind of goes in and out. Uh, like we'll have those, but like big scale. So mm. it's like one big mountain top go out, and just you just have these huge mountain points and big bulls that go off the sides. It could be steep, it, you know. There's a lot of steep country around, and but it's it's like Ohio times ten. Honestly, like wow. it's just bigger, bigger mountains. Okay, Ohio definitely humbled us for sure. We we went there kind of just looking at a map, and I mean a map can it can only do so much with terrain, um, uh, telling you what what to expect. And I mean we had all these spots picked out to check out and what we thought it was going to take a day and a half end up taking probably three and a half days of what, how the amount of work we wanted to do, uh, scouting these spots just because of, of the, like the terrain that we'd never experienced before. And, yeah. uh, 
yeah, it was an interesting experience for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I, man, I, I would kind of feel bad for for someone that wants to come to Pennsylvania or New York and scout for, and they'll have, they only if they only have a short amount of time. I think that'd be very tough. It's, I feel like there are places you really got to put your time in and learn and just hike as much as possible. And I feel like it'd be very tough in a few days. You can kind of get a grasp on it, you know, in two or three days, but you know, to be here a lot longer, it will help you in the long run. Right. Yeah. And also we, I mean, we've kind of over the years, just the, the, the scouting and hunting kind of intermix a lot right now. We, we do a lot at the same time. Um, and some people will just say scouting is hunting. So, um, some people don't even call it scouting, but a lot of times, yeah, instead of going in the preseason, cause either we don't have time or we feel more confident of just scouting the, the present sign that is there during the hunting season. So yeah, a lot of times we'll find ourselves kind of scouting our way into an area to hunt. Right on. Totally appreciate you hopping on here and people listening. Uh, how can they find your YouTube channel and what else you got? Yeah, the YouTube, uh, Hardway Outdoors, and Instagram and Facebook, also Hardway Outdoors. And my personal, uh, my name is Dan Collins on uh, Instagram. And my Instagram handle is kind of weird. It's kind of, it's like three, underscore, 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 Dan DC Collins 182. So it's <laughs> kind of a mouthful. So you can just go follow Hardway Outdoors. It's more deer hunting stuff. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'll try to leave a link in the description for that. But, well, cool. Yeah. Man. Thanks for having me on, Ben. I appreciate it. Amen. And we'll have to keep, keep in touch if you're in Pennsylvania or something and you want to get out and try to maybe link up. I mean, keep in touch. Oh, yeah. I'm sure we'll, we'll keep in touch for sure. And I think we'll try doing this again. And, I always say, you know, I have so many phone conversations with people. I'm like, we might as well record it and <laughs> make it into a podcast. Yeah. But cool. Well, looking forward to your the videos and pictures coming from Idaho and have fun. Appreciate it, man. Sounds good. All right. We'll, we'll talk again soon. All right. Thanks, Ben. Yep. Take care. See ya.